We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets win and the return of James Harden. They got the W over the Spurs, 128-116. How are we feeling, Jack? Yeah, no Kyrie Irving, Nick. So what is it, scary half an hour? Like no Joe (laughs) Harris either? I don't know. But let's call it scary half an hour. Yeah, I mean, it was still pretty scary for the Spurs. We'll jump into that. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do you want to start with this one? Let's start with James Harden, Nick. You know, we got the win, uh, a nice little win against the San Antonio Spurs. But the big news is the return of James Harden after, I think it was 18 games or so out with the hamstring injury. Was he rusty at all, Nick? You know, there really wasn't much rust offensively. Maybe defensively on the first couple possessions, but this guy was in complete control of the game. 18 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. And he just made life easy for everybody on the court. You know, Nick Claxton had a career high tonight at 18 points. Jeff Green was trying to throw down dunks on everybody. Bruce Brown looked a little bit better out there. Kevin Durant's life was easy. He got Landry Shamit going. So just like James Harden and what he does, just like to put it in 2K terms, it's like he adds plus five overall to everybody's rating on the team because he's that good and he makes basketball that easy. So really in my eyes, for somebody who missed 18 games, no rust like similar to the Kevin Durant thing it's just like these guys are so good at basketball that they are just able to dominate the game sometimes from just a mental perspective yeah James Harden saying to the reporters post game that I'm pretty good at this game (laughs) he's better pretty good I think we sort of chatted about a couple episodes ago uh, upon the impending return about his impact that he has we don't necessarily need to repeat those those sentiments again but you know in terms of the passing that we saw from him tonight, Nick, and I also do want to give a little shout-out to the defense, two steals and two blocks for him as yep. well. 
while obviously, you know, the one-to-one, the isolation, he is going to be uh, a little bit out, uh, weak on, on that point in the floor, but, you know, still two steals, two blocks isn't too bad. And good with the switches onto the bigs. Like, you know what I mean? He gives them that, like, nice little combo with him and Nick Claxton where it's like, oh, Claxton's a big, he's getting switched on the guard. That's okay. James Harden's a guard, he's getting switched onto a big. That's okay. So he provides a little bit of something there. And like you said, active hands, very swipey at the basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. Nick, we saw an inordinate amount of incredible passes tonight from James Harden. Uh, I was lucky enough to see the, the Jeff Green bounce full court pass, which was just truly insane. One, rank the passes tonight, your top three, your top two, and then rank James Harden as a passer in the league right now. Well, we've done this maybe on a couple of occasions, but we're getting a, we got a reminder of it tonight after his return uh, from the injury. James Harden, man. I would go with the Jeff Green one, number one. There was another pass to Bruce Brown, which he didn't finish the basket. It was almost like a curveball, the way he threw it, and it kind of slid in there. And then there's, uh, I think, one of the one in the early in the fourth quarter to uh, Nick Claxton. Easy bounce pass. That'd probably be my third favorite. But honestly, you could go with five to seven passes in this game. And the crazy thing about James Harden is that, like, all the passes don't necessarily lead to a bucket. You know what I mean? He threw a nice behind-the-back pass to Kevin Durant transition. KD missed the three, but that's a highlight play if he knocks down the shot. And in terms of passers in this league, I think you probably only put LeBron James and Nicole Jokic over him. Like, I can't really, you know, maybe there's an argument for Luka like we discussed in the past, but Harden is very, very good at manipulating the defense and making them think he's going to do something that he's not going to do. And he's very confident in the way he's throwing those pocket passes and the lob passes and just guys going to the rim. It's just like he has a feeling about where the defense is going to be and how they're going to anticipate his movement. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo sentiments I have made on previous podcasts and say that the depth and level of his passing, few players have. You know, Nicole Jokic is incredible. LeBron James is incredible. But I'm going to make an argument for James Harden as the best passer in the league because of the array of passes that he can do. Yep. Can Nicole Jokic throw the lobs that James Harden can? I, look, probably if he was given that opportunity and he, when he was playing alongside Miles Plumlee a little bit or Mason, whichever Plumlee yeah. it was. Former Brooklyn Net, great. But in all honesty, James Harden's one of the best lob passes we've seen ever. And he's also one of the best cross-court uh, t- passes we've seen ever. Yeah. You know, LeBron and Nicole Jokic did that incredibly well as well. You know, passing the pick and roll, skip passes, uh, passing off of screens, uh, just secondary passes, secondary assists, just bo- general ball movement. Incredible. And tonight we saw that from the Brooklyn Nets, and we've made the point of emphasizing it early, Nick. 33 assists for the team. That's just how good James Harden is. And yeah. on a night where he had 10 himself, sorry, 11 himself, to go with 18 points, seven boards, and those two blocks and two seals that I mentioned. The impact that he has on this team offensively and the importance that he does and the elevation that he does give this team, it's just, it makes the game easy and better. And, you know, he, like you said, he doesn't want to brag, but he should be bragging. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> got me swallowing my own words here. He should be bragging and bragging until the cows come home. Yeah, and I think one guy whose game really popped with James Harden being back on the floor was Jeff Green. You know, Jeff Green hasn't necessarily been bad over the last couple of weeks, but he hasn't had any really like super efficient performances tonight. 16 points, seven of eight from the field, one of two from three. Like I mentioned, tried to throw it down on every single Spurs big man. A couple of times he ended up laying it in. But again, just kind of elevating some of these role players and making life so much easier. And we know how talented this Brooklyn Nets roster is, even without James Harden, like all the scoring, all the shooting in which it has. But like I mentioned before, he just adds more to everyone and raises their game and really alleviates a lot of pressure on the offensive load for guys having to create their own shot. 
Nick, who were the second and third best Brooklyn Nets? Sorry, obviously James Harden was quite clear. And he did all that in 26 minutes, mind you. Six of eight from the field. Six of eight and three of four from three. A lot of the time when we spoke about James Harden coming back from injury or finding rhythm, that three ball isn't necessarily there. But boy, yeah. oh boy, was it there tonight. Who were the second and third best Brooklyn Nets? Tonight? Landry Shamit, there was talk of him almost getting his career high after the first half. You know, Mike James took the most amount of shots and took 12. Uh, and there was just so many guys in double digits. You know, you had Jeff Green with 16. You had Mike James with 12. You had Bruce Brown with 14. Blake Griffin with 13. Kevin Durant with 14. Uh, Shamit with 21. Um, Reggie, uh, sorry, Nicholas Claxton with a, a career-high 18. Um, who was the second and third best, Nick? It's, it's hard to pick out, I'm sure. No, it really is. I mean, it's hard to disrespect Kevin Durant and not say he was the second best net just because the amount of attention we saw the Spurs giving him. A lot of double teams got things going because James Harden didn't start playing into the second quarter. So start the game with like four or five assists, got some of the role players involved, three blocks. I've also liked the defense from Kevin Durant since the fourth quarter of that Denver game or even the third quarter of that Denver game. He's kind of picked it up on that end of the floor and really having an impact there. And then I guess third, it would... I mean, Shamit shot well, but uh, no disrespect to him. A lot of that was because guys were creating wide open looks for him. So I would probably go with the third spot. I, I want. I would say Blake based off the first half, but the entire game, you're probably going with Nick Claxton because, like you mentioned, career high 18 Black points. City bitch. Black Black City bitch. <laughs> exactly, and I mean, he just had a lot of impact in this game. He had the steal and slam. That's something you and I really love, and then also just the blocks and the switchability and just the overall impact. And he just really pops. And I think Claxton's starting to realize, like, hey. I'm substantially faster than most bigs I'm going to go against. So if I just hit that roll hard or I run in transition, there's a good chance I'm going to easy buckets playing with James Harden. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard this. I think it might have been the Yes Network or, or Syracuse because someone mentioned the fact that the intelligence of Nick Claxton for a young player and his ability to just be able to react and respond within the game. You yeah. know, And I think they made, made the point of the, the Damian Lillard um, Portland performance where Dame was hitting threes on him and, and Clax was, you know, a little bit late to close out. He didn't get his hand up. Uh, he didn't get into his grill a little bit too much. Yep. And then he responds with the late game defense. Nicholas Claxton, the way he's performing right now is something that, you know, we haven't, we, you can't expect from a guy of his yep. stature and his, 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 his inexperience. So Claxity prices, house prices are soaring. Rental market is booming. Get him while you can, guys. There's franchise opportunities aplenty. You know, we can get the, the hairdressers open because goddamn Clax has some beautiful goddamn hair as well. But what he is doing for this team right now, Nick, and good to see a little bit extra minutes, a little bit extra responsibility. With that 23 minutes, I do like that number going to increase. And you play at, you combine that with Blake Griffin 20. You know, it's almost reminding us a little bit of DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxon, where it's just like, who's going to get the more minutes? And now it's just like, Clax is getting healthy. 7-8 from the field. Did get to the line a lot as well. Yep. And, you know, we know how good James Harden makes Nicholas Claxton. It's like him and Bruce Brown to me. I'm not sure if you agree with me on this, Nick, but I think those are the two players. And maybe Joe Harris, actually. I can't really pick between and Joe Harris as well because... And honestly, after watching tonight's game and just thinking in the past, like Jeff Green's in the contention too, just because he's so good at getting hit on those, you know, those pocket passes and just going for the dunk at the rim because he's getting so much space. So it's really hard to determine who he helps the most on this team. Who do you think, if, if we're, you know, this can change on a game-to-game basis. Yeah. I'm not making you set anything in stone. This isn't all NBA teams or MVP bouts like you've done on the outlet or I've done on GBT. But as of this point, I'll give you my, I, I think it's Bruce Brown. I think Bruce, <clears throat> excuse me again. I think Bruce. <coughs> James, got, James Harden's got you excited, Jack. <laughs> Man, way too excited. I'm in my spicy chicken a little bit too fast as well at the same time. But I would say Joe Harris and Bruce Brown. 
I think Joe Harris is shooting numbers and their two-man chemistry and their on-off numbers when they're together. There might not be a better duo on the floor. And as we alluded to at the start of the season in an article from 538, the best pick-and-roll duo in the NBA at that point in time was Bruce Brown and James Harden. Like, that makes no sense. Bruce Brown invented a new position for himself because of James Harden's presence. Now, Nicholas Claxton, I don't think, would be the beast of the years. But without James Harden, he can still impact defensively. I'm not sure Bruce Brown has the same impact. And we've seen Joe Harris's numbers dip in the absence of James Harden, too. Yeah, I think Bruce Brown's a, a great choice, Jack. I think Joe Harris, you know, obviously playing with a point guard is going to make any shooter better. And that's not to say obvious, but it's going to be the case for Landry Shaman as well. I think with Bruce Brown, it makes him more playable offensively because at other times, you know, in that Bucks two game series, you didn't necessarily see a ton of Bruce Brown. Some of that was a knee soreness, but some of that was just the defense and I'm not respecting him. James Harden pretty much makes sure that you're respecting everybody on the floor because of the passing he has. And I think Bruce Brown is even cutting a little bit more when James Harden's out there just given he knows he's going to find those openings. And like you mentioned with Claxton, Claxton's going to have his defensive impact. You've seen his chemistry with Kyrie and Kevin Durant also improve a little bit too. So I think Bruce Brown's a good choice. And like I said, Jeff Green's a guy that I think really plays at a higher level with James Harden just because there's just that attack mentality. Not to say that he can't have good games without James Harden. I just think some of that chemistry from Houston really pays off, even in a short stint. It really, really does. I I couldn't say that better myself. And I also do think that the relegation of DeAndre Jordan out of the rotation, now that there are the only centers that are playing for us are Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, and Nicholas Claxton, Bruce Brown can play with all of them yeah, and, and make an impact, whether it's a starter, with, with the bench unit, whoever it might be. They just have the ability, he has the ability and the chemistry, and they don't clog up the floor. While Clax is going to be in the dunker spot as well, he's at least that sort of lob threat. And I think he, he's happy to get out of the perimeter and get out of people's way as well and attack off closeouts like he's done a couple of times, create for his own credit off the dribble a little bit here and there. So... And that's a great point, Jack. Sorry to cut you off. I think it's important to point out that Claxton showcased a little bit of that handle today. You know, hey, you know, you got Jakob Perl on me or this guy's not necessarily respecting my speed. I have that one step. Let me attack the rim. That's why I ended up with seven free throw attempts. Some of that was self-created tonight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that's been rare this season for Nick Claxton. It's been a lot of opportunities created for him. We saw him showcase a little bit of his ability. 
Yeah, unfortunately, the Squirtle Squad isn't allowed in Clack City. It has been banned, <laughs> um, but thanks to what Nicholas Claxon was doing tonight. But yeah, it, and, and Jakobberto is one of the best rim protectors in the league as well. So the way you are going to outshine him is by getting him away from the rim and attacking him off the dribble. You know, don't let him play. You know, his individual drop coverage because he is a weapon there. He's one of the best in the league, and that, that, that's no joke. If you watch Spurs basketball, uh, that has certainly been the case, Nick. But um, who else did you want to touch on, Nick? Because We've heard now that Mike James is going to be a Brooklyn net for the rest of the season, and uh, he he started off the game and he and he gave the team a real jolt, despite the fact that you know we've had our issues with him a little bit here and there. That fact that Tyler Johnson's now back in the rotation probably alleviates some of those concerns. But twelve points for him, did have five dimes, did have a couple of boards as well, only the one turnover, five or twelve from the field. Mike James is a Brooklyn net. You know he's responded to KD on Twitter. There seems to be some pretty <laughs> cool cohesion and. I think he likes the expectation on the team as well. He just seems to fit pretty well, Nick. And I guess, what are your thoughts of his game tonight? And what are your thoughts on him overall as a Brooklyn Net now and his entire tenure and going forward? What can he provide this team? Yeah, I definitely have probably a love-hate relationship with Mike James. You know, there's definitely some shot selection choices where I'm just like, come on, man. Kevin Durant is on the floor. Now James Harden is on the floor. Even Joe Harris, Landry Shamit, you know, better offensive players. Those early shot clock, mid-range jumpers or fadeaways, that's the type of stuff he really needs to clean up. But I liked what he was doing in the first quarter of this game. Really made an effort to get in the paint and take shots in there or set up guys and just disrupt the Spurs defense. And I think that's when he's at his best. And I think in small stints, Mike James is okay. It's like when you have have to play him 26 minutes or yesterday he played like 30 minutes it's when he's played playing in a bigger opportunity where it's like okay more of his flaws show up the shot selection defensively he's not necessarily elite he does show effort but he doesn't necessarily have the tools to be very good on that end of the floor so mike james is a solid you know third point guard you know if you need him you know fourth point guard depending on how you look at the depth chart uh, I think, you know, when Kyrie's back, he's probably not going to be much in the rotation, but as somebody to have as like a backup backup, if someone gets hurt, it's not the end of the world, especially because he's gotten some good reps. What do you think about it, Jack? Uh, and especially because the Nets have needed these guys, Nick, the yep. next man up mentality, the stay ready squad, because Kyrie Irving's been injured every now and then, uh, the least amount of obviously of our scary hours trio. James Harden's having his extended periods off. Kevin Durant's had his extended periods off. So the Nets have just needed healthy bodies at times. And, you know, the acquisition of Mike James, you know, midway through the season, towards the end of the season from yep. Sean Marks. I mean, yes, uh, I agree. The love-hate relationship is certainly there in a similar sort of respect to some other role players and such. But you can't argue with what he's been brought in on. He's been brought in on 10 days from Europe. You know, an elite player in Europe as well. Yep. And to just automatically acclimate himself without a preseason, without, you know, any knowledge of the guys. Probably doesn't even have their phone numbers, half of them. He's probably just adding them on Twitter and sending the DMs. So I, I give a heap of respect to what yep. he's been able to do. And, you know, I always like, I don't mind guys with two, with two first names as well. Chris Paul, <laughs> Mike James, just got a nice little ring to it. So um, MJ, not the, the the actual MJ, but Mike James, um, I think he deserves a heap of credit for the impact that he has made. And he's just easy, smooth acclimation uh, to this team. Yeah, and he's really stepped up, like you said, Jack. I think, obviously, I'm always typically hard on the player sometimes, but, like, considering where he's come into and what's expected of him, he's done a pretty good job in all of that and providing a spark of the offense and kind of being some of, like, the, one of those players that can kind of just create on their own when necessary. It's just the points and what he's, when he does it sometimes can be a little bit frustrating. But overall, you know, you have to be happy with the performance. And I think it was almost obvious at this point, like who else were they going to sign? You know what I mean? He's been with the team for over 20 days now. And just like he has some type of experience in chemistry with the squad, like you mentioned. 
Nick, I'm not sure if you have the box score in front of you right now. I was going to ask you who you think t- took the most shots tonight. Who do you think had the most minutes tonight out of any player? Um, I have the box score in front of me, so I feel like... like <laughs> Whenever I, I do these questions to try and like get you on the spot, it's just like... Yeah, sorry, my dude. I've already got it here. Like, I'm prepared for a podcast. I, I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't ask stupid questions. There are no stupid questions. only stupid people, obviously. Uh, so we obviously had Landry Shamit with 35 minutes, which honestly is a surprise. Watching the game, it didn't feel like it was Shamit, but it makes sense considering Joe Harris was out. You know, I think an important part of this Nets offense is to always have a floor spacer. Definitely. And look, Bruce Brown with 32 as well. I think it's good for these guys to, to get those minutes, to get those reps, conditioning. You know, just just know, look, the Spurs are, are fighting for a playing spot as well. So it's not as if, like, they're some scrub team. You know, they just bodied the Bucks. Yeah, they, the, the, the Bucks as well. You know, the, what San Antonio did to them is, is a heck of an effort. So I, I wanted to touch on Blake Griffin, Nick. You know, you were giving him a lot of love off wax and we'll bring it here as well. I wanted to ask you a question that I heard on, I can't remember which podcast, but they were saying that they were worried about the Nets' reliance on Blake Griffin as a five. I think it might have been Bill Simmons, notorious Kyrie Irving and Nets hater. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the Nets' reliance on Blake Griffin, maybe Nicholas Clashton as a second-year player, and maybe their center rotation overall? What are your thoughts, I guess, uh, on that respect? Yeah, I think Blake has been great in that five position. Obviously, he's limited in terms of his height. He's not a seven-footer. He's not going to lock up Joel Embiid. But in most matchups, he's going to be fine with his physicality. And I think offensively, you're seeing some of that versatility. You know what I mean? Like, he looks a little bit more... Uh, a little has a little bit more juice in his jumps. You know, tonight we saw him throw a poster down on Pirtle. We saw, you know, a couple other dunks in this game. He just looks a little bit more spry in that aspect. And then a three-point shot, we've talked about it before, he's shooting kind of close to 40% in a Nets uniform. So I think offensively, there's really no concern. I think defensively, yeah, maybe you can point out some different things. But at the end of the day, as we've kind of talked about in the past, maybe more so on the outlet and JBT, the five position is typically the least important in the postseason. We've seen teams win championships with, you know, Andrew Bogut or, you know, different guys along those lines that aren't necessarily star players. I think Blake Griffin is good enough to be the starting five for the Nets, and Nick Claxton is good enough to be that closing five for the Nets for them to win a championship where it's not that big of an issue in my opinion. Yeah, look, the, the Nets' starting center rotation was completely different at the start of the season. Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. And now we have two completely different yep. players come game 70. It's it's pretty wild how, how rapidly things can change uh, in this league. So I, I did want to ask you, you, know, you were talking about you know the spryness, the bounciness, the springiness of, of Blake Griffin of late. Are you confident that he can maintain that for the rest of this season going into the postseason? Was this his first back-to-back uh, or or close to it? Or, I think it was know, his second back-to-back. But um, Okay, yeah, okay. I think he looked a lot better in this back-to-back in comparison to the other one. He looked more spry. He just had a little bit more energy to him. And I think he's the guy that's going to benefit from probably having that week off between the end of the season and the postseason. You know what I mean? Allow him to kind of get his body right. You know, the Nets are going to take care of him, make sure he's doing well. But I also think his uptick in minutes is going to help him a little bit you know just having that wear and tear on his body a little bit okay and then also he's not asked to do as much as he was doing in Detroit he's not you know spending as much energy on the court he's not running the offense he's complimenting the offense and now his life is even easier with James Harden yeah I, I would I would sway more to Bill Simmons if the Nets were playing him 35 minutes plus yeah but I come I don't think Blake Griffin I mean I have to look at his game log I don't think he's played 30 minutes more than once twice or three times yeah and that might have even been like 28 or 29 <laughs> Yeah, I think that there's some, there might be some high 20s in there, but we tonight, only 20 minutes. And I think overall, 
the game that gave me the most confidence, Nick, is the game that we, we capped over the weekend, the, the game against the Denver Nuggets. Because that's where I saw the defensive intensity and the defensive chops from Blake Griffin that I didn't necessarily know he had. And that's something that I think he can bring and can impact in a postseason against the Giannis, uh, against uh, Joel Embiid. Now, I'm not totally confident about uh, him against either of those dudes. Those guys are all NBA MVP caliber players. And we've got a guy who, on a buyout, ultimately, it, we're going to need a, a string of bodies. And Blake is going to be one of those that we're going to need to impact. So hopefully he keeps getting the conditioning, the reps. You know, the, he, he loves what the Brooklyn Nets team overall. He loves how they're treating him. He loves how they're handling him as well. You know, listening to the training staff team, he seems to be very, um, very receptive to them. So look, can't ask for anything more what we've got about Blake Griffin. He's probably the, the buyout candidate of the season. Uh, in a similar way that Markeith was last year. I've made that point before. I think Blake can make a, as much of an impact. I know you think he can make more, but the postseason uh, is where it's going to step up. And I think that Blake Griffin is going to have a larger role and a larger responsibility than probably what Markeith did for for the Lakers because we're going to need... If Blake's been starting for this team yeah. for, what, five, six, seven, eight games, however long it is now, you know, is that going to continue happening? Are you going to start him against Joel Embiid? Look, maybe. Are you going to start him in... Your first round matchup against, you know, if we happen to get the Miami Heat, bam out of bio. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Nets do handle that because while I do agree, Nick, that the center rotate, the center spot, you can make shift and, and other teams in the past, you know, have their own sort of identity in that respect. In the Eastern Conference, in certain matchups, man, the center spot is going to matter a lot more. Yeah, I think the the biggest concern would be the Sixers and Joel Embiid. Like, obviously, that's a mismatch for Blake Griffin. I think with Bam, you know, Bam's obviously substantially more athletic at this point, but there's some opportunities for him to be solid. One thing that Blake does that just sticks out, like, a lot more than DeAndre Jordan is, yeah, he'll play off a little bit, but he puts a lot more effort in his closeouts and at least making the, the offensive player feel him. And I think it's forced a couple misses. Like you talked about in that Denver game, we saw him kind of get on Jokic and still provide help. And I think a lot of it is just effort. And if his minute count is not that high, I think you can expect that out of him. Definitely. Look, Blake's continued to do awesome things. Love what he is doing as Brooklyn Net. Um, it's been awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Nick, I I saw the news recently. Steve Nash speak to the post, and we'll chat more about the game. We're, we're a bit all over the place, but I, I like the way we're sort of going about this one. I, I saw the news that James Harden apparently is going to play one more game yep. out of the two against Cleveland or Chicago. Do you have any feeling of what you would rather him play if you're Steve Nash, Sean Marks? Um, do you have a preference? Do you want him to play against the, the better team in, in the Chicago Bulls? Do you want to have him in the last game? Do you want him in the next game against it's Cleveland? Do, do you have any strong thoughts either way? Uh, I think my strongest thought would be I'd love for him to get minutes with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And it looks like Kyrie will be playing this weekend. So if they all could play on Saturday or they all could play on Sunday, whatever, that would be the best possible scenario. I think ideally you look to play them all on Saturday, just given there's a possibility the Bucks could lose on Saturday as well. And then you could just rest all your guys on Sunday because then you'd have a two-game lead over the Bucks, and you're feeling good. And obviously Cleveland I don't think is playing for anything. You know They're resting a lot of guys too, but still at the end of the day, it's just an interesting situation because I doubt you're playing James Harden on the back-to-back. Are you playing Kevin Durant on another back-to-back? Are you playing Kyrie Irving on a back-to-back? That's where it gets a little tricky. And I think the Nets really do want to maintain that two seed because the matchup is just a lot easier. You know, going against a depleted Boston Celtics team, uh, inexperienced Hornets team, you know, possibly the Wizards or an injured Pacers team in comparison to going against the Heat who were in the finals last year, the Knicks who are pretty gritty, and the Hawks who have offensive firepower. So I think ideally the biggest concern for me is getting those three minutes together, but also still maintaining that two seed. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's an important spot, and we, we've chatted quite a bit about it in the DMs. And, I, and while I totally do agree, I do think that Steve Nash ultimately doesn't care. You know, he did yeah. say that, look, we'll, we'll play them together. We don't necessarily care if they all play together or whatever. You know, the 176, 186 minutes, seven games, eight games, whatever it is. You know, and we've heard that stat a million times from, from people outside the Brooklyn Nets squad and on podcasts and on media platforms and stuff. But, look, I, I think that's... I, I agree with you. I think I would love to see the Scary Hours trio together just a, a little bit because you, know, you get a little bit of acclimation, a little bit of chemistry, you know, and you ease the load. You can play them all 25 minutes or so, you know, and yeah. whatever it is. You know, Kyrie Irving with a, with a mask on, play him alongside Bruce Brown, get them the, the mask jour. Coming on, like, the last time two players wore masks together in a game, and... That would be um, that, that. That's a stat for maybe some Brooklyn Buzz listeners to to let us know about. But yeah, I don't have strong feelings either way, Nick, because I think that as this season's always been about, we are looking at the big picture. Hopefully, we do get lucky and, and we do get a decent enough matchup because you know the Heat are absolutely balling right now. Um, the Nets have their their issues against the, the Atlanta Hawks in terms of like John Collins and those guys who slip the screens. They play pace. They got less offensive talent. And then the Knicks, you know, we want more Nets fans and Knicks fans at, at playoff games. And if, if that's the case, and the Nets do happen to face uh, their crosstown rival, then we don't want Barclays filled with blue and orange and Spike Lee. We want to get all the the best uh, black and white fans and the, and the Coogies and, and everything else out in, in there. So it's going to be interesting to see how it does yep. pan out. And we'll be following it very, very closely on this podcast. And uh, I guess it's going to be a, a wait-and-see proposition. You know, Kyrie Irving, thankfully, you know, no yep. concussion symptoms. I think that was the, the, the great thing to hear. I know you and Joe uh, dive deep on that uh, quite a bit on, on last episode. So that's a really positive thing. So, yeah, I think that the Nets are in a decent spot heading into the postseason. And we'll be doing some playoff previews and stuff. Don't worry about that. But right now, everything seems to be okay. You know, and looking at the rotation overall, Nick, you know, we saw TLC get eight minutes, get yanked a little bit. We saw Ty Johnson get 20. Mike James get 26. Do you think that there's the automatic replacement of Kyrie Irving for Mike James and Tyler Johnson? Yeah, I think that's pretty much you know self-explanatory and i think tlc loses those minutes if kevin durant's playing his uh, normal workload and i think you know landry shamit's numbers are probably going to go down a little bit obviously because you still have joe harrison there so the rotation is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on going into the postseason obviously we have our locks and kyrie james Harden, kevin durant uh joe harris jeff green blake griffin nick claxton and landry shamit and bruce brown i guess at this point so that's that seems who's like solidified for me but it doesn't necessarily dictate how many minutes they're going to get because I think the only guys who are locked in for their minute count is the big three. And even Joe Harris, to an extent, is is pretty locked in, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was maybe a few matchups where his minutes weren't as high as they typically are. I'll also make an argument that I think that Jeff Green's locked in for a large amount of minutes as well, given the the ability that he allows Kevin Durant to, to rest a little bit more um, yep. and, and play him a bit more. And the versatility style. he provides. We saw a little um, bit of a Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, and Nick Claxton tonight, and I can't recall seeing much of that this season. No, I mean, it's an interesting combo. You know, you, both of those guys are, are great defenders, and uh, especially Claxton. Jeff Green does a, a really good job of, of guarding the wings and, and also being a physical presence out there. So, Nick, any other things you wanted to touch on, I guess, from this Spurs matchup? Yeah, I just say for Landry Shaman, I thought this is a pretty substantial game for him just because he's been in a slump and to go five of seven from three, seven of nine from the field, two of two from the free throw line and finish with 21 points, kind of the perfect confidence booster for him going to the postseason. And to be honest, that was something I was a little bit concerned about because there's going to be open shots for guys and they're just going to have to knock down those shots. And if he's going to the playoffs hot, that's just another weapon for this team. Absolutely. You know, there's weapons aplenty on the offensive end. 
We know about that. That we know that about this Brooklyn Nets team. The fact that they were able to shoot nearly 61% from the field and 43, nearly 43% from three, um, it's just a testament to how dominant this team can be offensively. And they're not even clicking on all cylinders. And I, I do like you were sort of talking about Mike James pushing into the paint, 68 to 62 in points in the paint. So that aggression is, is starting. I think Kevin Durant's doing a really good job of that as well, continuing yep. to get to line, continuing to show purpose, while also being a goddamn anomaly, as um, we saw Kyle Mann from uh, the, the Ringer, NBA show talk about, which was uh, a really nice little tweet, and he's still in some of your highlights, Nick, so I'll make sure to, to copyright him and, and get him in the DMs <laughs> and get the, what is it, the DCM, whatever the copyright people are, um, sooner rather than later, but yeah, those stats stuck out to me, and it's just like, goddamn, this uh, Nets team is just something else. Yeah, I mean, the Nets won by, what, 12 tonight, and the Spurs shot 21 more shots than them, or 22 more shots than them? How? Is- like, we were saying this the other day against the Denver Nuggets. How does this keep happening? Yeah, I mean, tonight it was a little bit more self-explanatory. 16 offensive rebounds for the Spurs. Credit to some of their big men for playing hard. But it's just rare you see teams win by double digits when they're literally losing the shooting numbers by 20. Definitely, definitely. Nick, the final question I wanted to ask you, I, we, we sort of chatted a little bit about, you alluded to, you know, getting some minutes for the Scary Hours trio. Out of these last two games, you're Steve Nash. What are you doing going forward? What are you looking for as a fan? What are you looking for as a coach? Are you trying to play the solid eight, nine-man rotation that you want to get out of? Are you still continuing to experiment with some different lines? Blake Griffin at the five, maybe start Claxton. Start your 37th different starting lineup. What are your thoughts, I guess, in these final two regular season matchups? I think the most important thing is if you're not going to rest and you're trying to actually you know, value these minutes is you want to play guys who are going to be in the rotation, guys who are going to play in these lineups together so there can be some type of cohesion. And also I think from a coaching perspective and a team perspective, you want to come out and continue to set the tone. We saw another good first quarter tonight to start the game. You want to see that in the next two games. You want to come with that engagement, especially specifically throughout the entire game. And obviously that's not always possible, but you want to just have these next two games almost – play out like playoff games to an extent. Obviously, there's certain things you're not going to do. You're not going to put your body on the line like it's a playoff game, but you want to have a lot of those championship habits to to set the tone going to the playoffs because you do have a week off, and this will be the last time you kind of battle with each other before the battle another team before you're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fascinating final end to the season for, for the Brooklyn Nets as well as the other teams, and we'll be watching all the teams we alluded to earlier. I also wanted to touch on, Nick, a stat that I saw, can't remember when, but whenever the Nets score 120 points, they're yep. essentially unbeatable. I think it's like they've lost three games or something around that. And basically, obviously 128 tonight, and in three quarters tonight, they're 35, 39, and 32. They are an incredible offensive team, and their identity is on that end of the floor, and while they are going to be you know, the concerns defensively, sometimes they're just going to be just that damn good. And you know, talent—it's a talent league, and this is it, this could be the anomaly that you know redirects things and go. You know, this is the offensive version of the Detroit Pistons. I know that I've yep. mentioned that on at the start of the the season. You know, there are different teams that can win the playoffs that change the trajectory of the league, that change the way we view success in this league. This Brooklyn Nets team could do that. You know, obviously there's a the long, long way to go. You've got to get the good seating first. You've got to win your last two couple of games, get the guys healthy, uh, fit and raring to go. But um, there's a lot of good things and there's a lot of um, exciting times ahead for Nets World. Yeah, I mean, 60% from the field and Kyrie Irving didn't play. You know what I mean? The Spurs aren't a bad team. They're not a great team. But like you said, Jack, this is really, this team could be an outlier and, you know, change basketball to an extent. But anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, like Clack City again. Um, <laughs> if you, you're looking for, you know, we are allowing flights in. Make sure you bring your vaccination cards, though, ladies yep. and gentlemen. 
<laughs> but as always, Jack, uh, big thanks, everybody, for listening. And check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.